This is Brian Reisman. Welcome to Side Jams, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. I'd like to thank Pantheon sponsor AKG for their support of this podcast. If you like what you hear, please dive into other episodes and subscribe to keep up with the latest ones. Greetings, this is Danny Filth from Cradle of Filth, and you're currently listening to Side Jams with Brian Reisman on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Norwegian guitarist Selenos belongs to one of the most influential and popular extreme metal bands of all time, Dimmu Borgir. Along with vocalist Chagrat, he is one of the two founding members that have been with the band since its inception as a more traditional black metal unit back in 1993. Over the years, the bombastic ensemble has integrated gothic, symphonic, and choral elements into a distinct sound that has expanded genre borders and won them a Norwegian Grammy Award. Their latest effort is called Ionian. Selenos is also a part of the old-school death metal band Insidious Disease, which recently released their second album, After Death. When not summoning musical thunder on stage, Selenos likes to ride his motorcycle and spend time exploring the outdoors, and where he lives near Oslo is perfect for indulging in those activities. For episode 34 of Side Jams, we spoke about fishing, nature, his bike, and being part of a motorcycle club that does charity work for veterans. At the start of our Zoom call, we had audio problems that took several minutes to sort out, he told me they could be related to his electrical curse. So naturally, I had to ask him about it. Thanks for taking the time to chat and going through all this insanity with Zoom. It's <laughs> been a while. I know, that was a couple of years. Yeah, it must have been 2018, right? In, uh, yeah. Was it August? And my friend Ob, driver, and I came back after the show, and then we went out to a bar. I forget which bar we went to. That's right, yeah. What, what, what bar was that? I can't remember. It was somewhere near the, the well, PlayStation's Talking. gone now. For sure. So. See, it's interesting to finally do this by video, although we had this weird Zoom drama. So what is this electrical curse you're talking about? No, it's been with me for for as long as I can remember. And in the beginning, people didn't believe me when I said, like, well, there's got to be something with me and electricity somewhere because, uh, you know, there's tons and tons of uh, episodes happening through the years. Remember when we did the orchestra show in, in Oslo, in Oslo Spectrum, uh, we had a run-through of the show uh-huh. before. And for some reason, I don't know where my uh, wireless didn't work, so I had to play on cable. And I was, like, really mortified in the sense that, oh, the biggest mm-hmm. show in my whole life and maybe i have to play on cable you know on on stage so yeah you know we, we couldn't figure out what was wrong and my guitar tech at the time he said after the run through that oh let me just fix it. i'll fix it don't worry about it just get ready and uh, i'll fix it for you i was like what well, how can you fix it when you when we don't know what's wrong you know so i just like was kind of freaking out in a bit and um huh an hour later or so when the intro goes for the actual show there's no turning back, and I don't know yet if I'm going to get the guitar with the cable or the wireless. But then he comes with the guitar, and and the wireless is fixed. And I told Austin like, so what was wrong with it? You know what happened? I have no idea, no idea. But it's working now. But how do we know if it's going to work through the whole show? We don't know, but it's working now. So go <laughs> play. <laughs> That's just one out of many many examples, you know. So yeah. I used to have this weird thing. I would take walks at night back when I was living in back home and outside of Boston. And uh, I would walk by a couple different streetlights at night and they would go off when I would walk under. And then after I'd walk by, they'd turn back on. 
Right. There's a movie called The Last Minute that was directed by the guy that I think directed the original Blade movie, Stephen Norrington. Okay. And what was interesting is that the guy in that movie had this sort of thing where like he would, it was the same thing. He would walk under these like lampposts, certain things. I remember at the end, he's driving by and anytime the car would drive by one of these things, it would turn off and go back on. Yeah, well, who knows? Maybe in, instead of being powered by Satan, you're powered by like some electrical demon inside of you. It <laughs> could be. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's, it's weird. But so I know, you know, we've talked about the fact that you you like to, well, it's a couple different things. You're an out, you're definitely an outdoorsman. I've noticed that with a lot of your Instagram posts and you like to ride your motorcycle. When We'll start with the motorcycle thing. I mean, when did you first start riding and what attracted you to that other than the obvious rock and roll thing? Yeah, no, and in the beginning, it was more like uh, poster uh, stuff, you know, but uh, I think it was like seven, eight years ago when I really went for it properly. Yeah. And at that time, I imported a, a Harley from California, actually. That expensive? Not too expensive. And plus, it's been in, in a dry country, you know, uh, so there's no rust, no, even if it was used, a 2000 model. So and it still runs smooth, and huh. really great. Obviously, in Norway, the, the riding season is not that long, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, how long is it, actually? From April to October, uh, at best. And that, that kind of sucks, but that's how it is. So, uh, especially now when it's starting to get winter and stuff, that's when it's really itching to, to get out there, you know. <laughs> it's, it's funny that. I was talking to Brad Gillis from Night Ranger because he likes to ride. He was pointing out that he avoids like the highways. He like there's a lot of different side roads and the woods and everything. Where do you prefer to ride? Oh, I'm I like the side roads as well because um, normally in Norway the traffic isn't that bad, but the freeways and stuff are usually packed. You know, so uh, I try not to go on there if I don't have to. But uh, the side roads and the, um, the turny roads are, are more uh, interesting to ride, obviously, and um, this killer scenery here here in Norway and most of nature here is like beautiful you know and it's it's like what could be dangerous is that you sit there and you kind of like go into meditation and you just like float stuff and it's like you're alone you know it's like hmm. you're in control of everything basically that's a really special feeling sounds very zen very very zen and then after after a ride, then uh, I'm kind of beat because it does something to my body, and I just like sleep like a baby. You know, I can sleep for twelve hours, and I normally sleep for six six and a half hours at the most every mm-hmm. night. It's like every time after a ride, then I'm totally beat. <laughs> so, who would imagine that driving on a loud bike would relax you? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's fantastic. I've never even really asked anybody this, but like, are there actual good mufflers for motorcycles or is it just not even a point of discussion? No, I'm, I made mine louder. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can you make it quieter? Can you actually make it quieter? Or is it just their natural head? Of course. And, uh, but I think my bike doesn't, wouldn't fit uh, the, the driving skills of it, I suppose, or the performance wouldn't be good for it that way. So uh, now I, I like it to be loud. I think uh, a motorcycle should be loud. Uh, it saves more lives than it take. Uh, <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, I'm basically riding because uh, not because of the speed, but because of the the zen of it. As you said, they they can go really fast, but uh, that's when it starts to get a bit wobbly as well, you know, and especially on the Harley. So I've noticed that when I see people riding more slowly, like if they're stuck in traffic, you have to balance. You have to be very careful. How do you maintain a steady balance? Luckily, my my bike is pretty low, so. Um, if you don't have a low bike, then that could be a, a challenge, you know. Uh, but uh, uh, I feel really comfortable with with mine, and I always had. So it, it was just like 
I was meant for that bike, I suppose, you know. No, it's it's important to look uh, third and the fourth time because even if people who are in, uh, like we say, in, in the cages, like the cars, they uh, you yeah. can have contact with the driver and you think that he or she will like, oh, they won't turn and they just can turn right in front of your face even if they have looked you in the eyes, you know. So you always have to be on on the alert basically but it, it makes you a better driver altogether even when you you know drive the car it makes you look the third and the fourth time do you have you're any any scary experiences like that where someone else hit you a couple you know but i think it's when you when you ride a motorcycle it's not about when you have an accident it's like how many times you have an accident no <laughs> oh, wow and i think it's it's mostly well, I'm not going to generalize too much, but um, I think it's mostly not the rider's fault unless they take chances they shouldn't take, you know. Um, yeah. it, it's more in situations where all the cars are involved or people who don't really look uh, in the mirror, basically, you know, and that's that's the dangerous part of, of riding motorcycle. It's not, it might not be so dangerous for you on the bike, but it's something yeah. else around it. Yeah, it's interesting. I've, I've noticed that those those guys, you can kind of tell the difference between guys that like are comfortable with their bikes and guys who are just showing off. You, you get these guys that don't have like a Harley, but they have kind of the more sporty bikes that are a little slimmer and they weave in and out of traffic, which always pisses me off because you, you just don't know. And I, I don't want to hit anybody. No, I mean, I to me personally, I, th- I think it's very disrespectful, you know, because when you're in in traffic, either you drive a car, a motorcycle, or you're a pedestrian uh, or a bicyclist, you know, it's like, you have to have room for everybody. And if you act like a jerk, that's going to have consequences. Maybe not that day, but someday later down the road. So it's important to uh, to show respect to, to everybody in, in the traffic. We were talking about mufflers earlier. Has having a muffler on it affected the performance of the bike? Yeah, yeah. And the rider? How so? No, it, it doesn't. Depends on, on, on the in, engine, obviously. But I think it's, um, for me on mine, which is has a stage two kit now, it wouldn't make sense to have a muffler on it. And plus, uh, you know, I like this, the loud pipes anyway. So <laughs> in- well, you're a loud guy. You're, you're quiet on the interview, but in, in, in concert, you're a loud man. <laughs> so now I know, but I know you're, you're part of a part of a biker club. Yeah. And I know you don't specifically talk about that group, but what kind of feeling of camaraderie do you get out of that? What's that like compared with being in a band? It's pretty much the same thing uh, because obviously I've been in the band longer than I've been in the club, but the basic and the foundation is the same that you look out for one another and you try and utilize every person's strength instead of their weakness in uh, in that sense, you know, Uh and that's what we do in the band as well. Uh, We know our place in the band after so many years and that's what we have in the club as well. Everybody knows their place and... uh, it feels it feels safe in a way, you know. It feels good since we do a lot of charity work uh, as well. Then you kind of have to have that initial trust toward one another. So I mean, obviously, people have a lot of stereotypes about bikers. Like, are there any ones that are actually true? And what are the, what are some false impressions that people have of people who are like in a motorcycle club? A lot of outsiders they think that motorcycle people are thugs, you know, because that's the stereotype from movies or whatnot. But you know, there's there are thugs everywhere, <laughs> yeah, in every part of society. And obviously, we we work against the injustice and unfairness from from the outside when it comes to the biker world as well. And uh, I think that's very important to to show that we are pretty much normal human beings with a more specific interest for bikes and brotherhood. 
and that's something a lot of people don't understand because they don't have that that in them or whatever and it's only when you when you go into a club or you prospect for a club or you prospect for a band or yeah. whatever you know it's pretty much the same thing you have to you cannot just walk in and because you have to be trusted and and that goes also for i mean the band over the years had so many lineup changes and uh, some of them we had to do on the spot basically to be able to do shows and stuff you know in time and not cancel and then after a while you you figure out oh the music uh similarities between people in the band works fine but maybe the personalities clash you mm-hmm. know and then if you're going to be on on a on a tour for like six weeks then it's important that you actually get along on a personal level as well you know uh yeah. maybe more so than than anything else so i think it's just like in, in any type in, any place in the society there should be a test period a trial period you know to show if you're the right person because everyone everybody has talents obviously but maybe people don't have the talent for for being in a group or in the club or whatever you know yeah so what is it like going from you know being in a in a rock band to being in a biker club i assume there's different treatment i mean people don't assume treat you like a rock star you're like one of the guys or yeah i mean i'm i'm you know both in the band and the club i'm uh equal to everybody else you know and um and i think that the camaraderie and uh and the brotherhood is very important. Of course, we fight like just like anybody else. You know, it's like being married to in the band. It's like being married to other five other people. And in the club, what it, how, whoever many members there is in the club or a chapter, you're married to them as well. You know, so there's bound to be clashes and disagreements. But hopefully, if you can contain yourself, you don't have to have the fists flying all the time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, what what kind of charity work do you guys do? We do a lot of different stuff, you know. Um, now during the Christmas time, there's a lot of um, people that need food, um, shelter, and uh, heating. Uh, one of our main cases, which I actually can talk about because it's not a secret uh, anyway, we we've, we've always supported uh, the veterans. Yeah, because uh, we feel that when veterans come home from service in in Iraq or Afghanistan or wherever it is, they come home to to basically nothing, you know, and they are up in their head you know from being in in war and war zones and seeing all the bullshit and all that stuff so yeah and there's basically no net for them when they come home you know the you get a pat on the shoulder and uh and a medal and but there's still stuff stuck in the head you know and oh, the ptsd yeah ptsd which is on the new insidious album uh, we wrote a song called soul excavation which actually we try and deal with the ptsd thing in that track so yeah there's a intertwining of different stuff going on <laughs> it's amazing to me we have the same problem in america i feel like you know after world war ii we did a better job of taking care of veterans in this country and then post-vietnam it just got a lot worse and i feel like all the guys were in regardless of whether you agree with the war or not if iraq and afghanistan like a lot of these guys come home they have they have problems and they don't not taken care of once they're home that's when the, the real work starts i think and that's when that's where governments needs to really step up on the plate, you know, because they send them off to war, but coming home, that's not so, you know, they, they need to have uh, some kind of uh, assistance after that. Yeah, normalcy is a kind of a relative term at that point, you know. Now, you ride your motorcycle into nature, and I know you're a big nature guy. And you're a dad, too. You have a son, because you have nice, you've posted photos with you guys doing stuff. Yeah, yeah, my son, he's... Um, 
he's uh, very much into the Roblox uh, thing at the moment. That's that's a big thing for uh, for youngsters at the moment. Uh, I have understood. So, um, what was the Roblox thing all about? Yeah, playing game platform where you can oh, play okay. types of games, and uh, he's totally hooked on that. But he's uh, he's doing well in school. He uh, he behaves, and he uh, he's a really smart little fella. I'm extremely proud of him. I, I always wanted to be a dad, so. Who would have thought 30 years ago you'd be saying that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but does he go, he goes on trips with you. You guys do stuff together outdoors though, right? You go camping and stuff like that? Not so much camping because we have, uh, we have cabins. There's actually quite a couple of cabins in the woods, not far from here. So oh, wow. there sometimes, and um, if the weather is nice, of course you can sleep out on the, on the patio or whatever, you know, but if it's not a, a year where there's a lot of mosquitoes because you know there's actually quite a lot of mosquitoes here as well so oh, i hate mosquitoes everything i used to hate camping growing up because they would always come on and suck my blood and yeah. we'd be playing we'd play cards i'd be with my family be playing cards it, only lit by a lantern and all these daddy long leg spiders to start like trying to crawl up i'm like ah oh. it's like oh, i was like a horror movie what do you love about being in nature and how do you get him away from his video game console to appreciate the things that you do well we just um you know, got to trick him sometimes, but <laughs> with nature, it's uh, it's another form of meditation. And you know, one thing is when I'm on the bike; another thing is when I'm in the in the woods, where everything is quiet, or the only thing you hear is like the breeze or the wind and the and the water. And it makes you understand that you're one with everything. You know, yeah. uh, that took me uh, quite a few years to to realize that. You know, but for me, that has become. Uh, fact and i try to apply that feeling uh, into my everyday life when i'm not in the in the nature uh so I try and take that back with me it's cool i mean i i should be more of an outdoor person than i am i feel like as a writer i spend a lot of time indoors i'm sure you do when you're working on music you can be a hermit i guess if you have cabins you've been able to get away during the pandemic yeah yeah uh although in our cabins don't, don't have any uh electricity but obviously i bring my guitar and a notebook anyway so um it's it's a really good place to to unwind and uh, when I sit down, it's not like I tell myself today you have to be creative because that's not how it works. I'm sure you know that as well. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's tough sometimes you to force yourself to do that stuff. Yeah, it doesn't work with that on and off switch. So yeah, it gives you this extra boost, you know, fresh air. You sleep better for one, and you get more energy, and you kind of have to look after yourself. I mean. It's you and your knife, or some people obviously bring their guns, but in, in Norway, it's not that common unless you go hunting to bring a, bring a gun. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, I think Cabin in the Woods, and I think horror movies. I'm like, uh-oh. We could easily make a horror video or, uh, or a, a music <laughs> video in that, that sense. What are your favorite outdoor activities? Well, you know, I, I kind of almost stopped fishing because I suck at it. Um, my dad... <laughs> <laughs> so he uh, you know he knows all the, the small little lakes in the woods you know yeah i'm just taking the the dog and uh, and my son and we just use it for relaxation mostly fishing is something i never really got into that what it's uh I mean, what kind of fish i mean because I, I remember being in oslo after i remember in 2007 i went out for the dimu junket yeah 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 and i remember going there and it was really cold it was it brought us in february i'm like you know next time i come to this city i'm gonna go like in june or july yeah. when it's warm 
because it was great. I mean, that sculpture park was amazing. I got to go to see the Edvard Munch exhibit. It was funny. One night I was trying to go around to get some food and there was a lot of fish and I'm just not a fish guy. I saw this family that were vegetarians and they were trying to find a place that was affordable. It's like a steak because the exchange rate, the steak dinner was like 60 bucks or something. I'm like, oh, I can't do yeah. this. And we both ended up in a Turkish kebab place because they could get they could get salad. Right. And I could get like, you know, something cheap. But there was a lot of fish. Like what what are the main kinds of fish that you guys eat there? Well, it's trout, bass, and we can also catch like pike, but mostly trout and bass, I would say. Mm. And I love trout. I mean, just suck at getting it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's the most fun fish to uh, to catch as well, actually. I think anyway, because it just takes off when when it bites, it just goes off. Now, how close to the sea are you, or is, do you have like, or do you have lakes near you? Yeah, there's um, ten minutes from here. There's like four hundred and fifty plus lakes between wow. and the west side. Yeah, so and that's just in the eastern part here. But then I live like around forty forty five minutes from from Oslo, so it's not that far to the to the harbor and the sea. Yeah, Oslo is a cool city. I enjoyed it. I mean, I hope like I, I can get back at some point. It has some good, uh, good things. You know, you uh, did you uh, did you go to the Viking Viking Museum? You know, I actually didn't go to that. Everyone was going to that. It's funny. All the metal people go to like the metal kind of things. Like, oh, I got to go to the Viking Museum, and I found like I just wandered everywhere. I remember the first night I got there, I fell asleep, and I remember a bunch of people like Liz from Metal Maniacs and everyone else. They they left. And I got down to the lobby because they, they tried waking me up because I was sort of jet lagged. Luckily, the hotel actually called the cab company and they found out where they went. So it was that bar and it was they got one of the guys from Dark Throne was there spinning. Elm Street? Right, let me see. Let me see if I found uh, I'm going to go right now through my photos because I had that was a fun night. And luckily, you know, I was I was able to find everybody because I was like, no, like I'm going to miss everything. And I was because I didn't want to look out. Here we go. All right. I'm going through my photos. Maiden. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's no, uh, that's not around anymore. But that oh. was a tiny, small, little, cool club. Yeah, it was very late when I got out, but I got home quickly. I was, I wasn't really like, I didn't get super drunk. Some people were, and I think they went on a very long cab ride. You know, one of those long, drunken cab rides because the driver knows <laughs> that you're out of it. They spent like twice as maybe it's because they had extra passengers. They spent like twice as much money as me to get home. I'm like okay, but I yeah, it was a cool club, and that was the first club that I saw someone refer to a Jack and Coke as a Lemmy. Oh really? Yeah, that was the first time I'd seen that. That's cool. It was a cool night. Oh, and so funny story. We were all had that open bar, I think, in the hotel after we did the interviews all day long. Yeah. There was this couple behind me, and I turned. I'd gotten two glasses. I got like a Jack and Coke, and I had a glass of wine, and I turned. This one was right there, and I spilled my wine all over her blouse. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> if it was New York City, I would have gotten my ass kicked. And she, I was like, I'll give you money for cleaning, whatever. And I was super apologetic. They were really nice. I think she was a realtor. And then I just got them in on the open bar. And so then I, then I think there was one of the journalists there, I think was like taking them around the hotel and he was singing her King Diamond songs. I'm like, they were having the best time. I'm like, wow, I lucked out on that. <laughs> <laughs> they actually liked the metal crowd. I'm like, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Norwegians are like pretty chill. Like I imagine somebody in New York would have been pissed off and they were like, they were actually like pretty cool about it. Is that yeah. just like, is that a Norwegian thing? Is like people are just... Well, I think for the most part, I mean, Norway is, is such a small country. We were like 5.4 million people. Yeah. It's probably like 700,000 uh, Oslo and the area around. So it's not that big of a city in in terms of New York size, you know? <laughs> so... But I mean, culturally though, like people didn't don't seem as like, we're more aggressive in New York, obviously. Some people are. They well, have that. Personally, I think also sometimes Norwegians can be, uh, be assholes, you know? And... Uh, very egotistical and i think that 
comes with me um, being able to go all around the world several times and come home. And especially I, I, I can see it really easily when, when we fly home, the last flight back to Norway, you know, yeah. I can tell right away who's, who's Norwegian and who's not. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's how it is with, with every country. You know? Americans. I know when I go to Canada, I can tell who a lot of the Americans are. Yeah. As, as we talked about earlier, there, there are thugs in every part of society. <laughs> Do you get outdoors in other countries that you go to? Have there been other places? Like, have you been to the Black Forest? I've never been to the Black Forest in Germany, for example. No, we, we stopped by the Black Forest a few years ago because uh, the bus broke down. But we um, we got it fixed pretty uh, quick, so we didn't really get to explore. I tend to try and uh, and do the tourist thing whenever there's a interesting city you know even even if it's not we, we're trying to get up uh, while we're on tour we're trying to get up early in, in the morning and get around to see stuff uh, just to have a walk and you know take in some uh, some fresh air <laughs> are there any, any like really cool places you've discovered in your travels oh it's i mean there's plenty because we've been so lucky to be able to go to all the big cities you know and uh you got Tokyo, you got Vienna, Prague, New York, yeah, Chicago, all these, uh, and Australia, of course. Uh, so we've been really uh, satisfied with with our travel plans so far in in our career. <laughs> Is there any any really great place you'd, you'd tell people about, like you discovered somewhere, maybe that you didn't expect to find? Now you're starting to ask difficult questions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I probably oh, just have- now. Yeah list uh, but uh, no but in general it's amazing when you're on tour because it's not only about uh, the playing part you know and for me it never has anyway it's been about to travel and, and to explore new food of course you know try new stuff and what's uh, your favorite cuisine probably um, proper uh, Mexican street tacos uh, which we don't get in Norway and uh, I've heard that about Germany the blind guardian guys are like do not get Mexican food in Germany no, no, it's it's re- it's really hard to get authentic stuff here. So when I'm in Mexico or in Texas or LA, I uh, I don't care if I get sick. I I just have to have it. You know, it can't beat the taste. You know, so. Uh, or oh, it affects your stomach differently. My 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 stomach is definitely a proper tour stomach. You know, so I have to uh, be a bit uh, careful. I love spicy food as well. So um, curry Indian cuisine is a good favorite as well, and also sushi Japanese food. Now you're saying you said you say you had a tour stomach. How would you define that? Oh, it's it's hard to define it on uh, on video. I suppose uh, it could be a bit graphic, but uh. <laughs> well, I mean, as far as like, I, I guess in a sense, how adaptable are you when you're on the road to different food? Because you you go through so many different countries, so many different bacterias, and uh, okay. Luckily, I have a really good immune system, so that takes care of most of the what comes towards me, but um. Yeah, it's uh, especially now when you get older, it's important to to maybe lay off the uh, the sauce a bit more than you did when you were a young yeah uh, whippersnapper. So well, you're not old, you know. We're not old. We're it's getting we're getting a little older. I notice yeah. I can't drink the way I used to. I used to be able to do like six martinis in a night. Yeah, and I'm a skinny guy, so I, it and it, as long as I had eaten something, I was okay. But now I get to like four sometimes. My body's like, yeah, you're not you're not going past that. That's that's not happening. Although when I was in Cuba three and a half years ago, I had tons of mojitos because I think they watered down the drinks. But then you get a sugar high. I, I felt really awful the last afternoon. I had to rest before we went out for this big party at the end of the trip because I was. it was like, wow, the sugar was affecting me. So I guess 
I, I guess if you had any recommendations for people coming to the Oslo area, both like outdoorsy stuff that you think is cool and then stuff for like metal people that would come out, like what places would you recommend people check out when they come in? Especially when I come back, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, for for the metal fans, they should definitely check out uh, Neseblod uh, Records, the old uh, Hellblood. Uh, yeah, I went there. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it's it's just uh, yeah, it's like a mecca. Old black metal on cassette. Yeah, they have everything there. <laughs> but um, depending on what what you want to do, you know, in in the winter, it's uh, it's always uh, great places around Oslo too, like uh, ski resorts. Um, you can miss it. Yeah, in the summer, I would suggest uh, take the train over to the West Coast. You know, mm-hmm. the scenery is just absolutely phenomenal. And uh, maybe rent a car and then go down south on the way back to Oslo, for instance. You know, so you can get both the train uh, deal and the rental car thing going. And just stop and stop in the middle of nowhere. Have a have a tent with you. You know, there's there's not really any wild animals down here in the south that you have to worry about so yeah i would suggest to uh, to take in the in the nature and, and stop as often as you can i'd heard the fjords are beautiful there what are fjords like for people who don't know how would you describe them well it's just like usually surrounded by massive mountains you know and they the fjords go out in the sea obviously there's rivers basically yeah, uh, you have also in, inland fjords. You know, I live pretty close to Norway's biggest inland fjord. Uh, yeah, it's just nature in general is uh, really amazing here in Norway. Not to brag, but it's it's a fact. Well, no, I noticed that. And it's cool with your Instagram posts. Like I'm seeing a lot of different interesting imagery and like definitely a lot of deep thoughts. Deep thoughts by <laughs> Salinas, you know, as opposed to the deep thoughts by <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that whole SNL skit from like, you know, ages ago. I'm glad at least you have some refuge in the pandemic. I mean, I live in, I live in Long Island in the Burbs. My girlfriend's in Brooklyn. So I, I we, you know, it's harder for her. I have a car. So I, I've tried to go in. I've gone in a lot in the weekends. We go out. We've actually done a lot more hiking and walking or do, really walking and doing a bit more outdoorsy stuff than we used to. I, I'm hoping people, I don't know if they will. I'm hoping people will learn something from the pandemic and will not take certain things for granted anymore. Because I feel like I got used to living a certain way. I'm like, yeah, you know, I really do appreciate certain things now yeah i mean it's been weird and i i'm saddened by all the tragedy at the same time i'm hoping that we start to think about like i've started wanting to eat a little less meat in my diet you know i'm like yeah maybe there's a reason that you know this keeps happening this kind of stuff i think this this type of tragedy is because i would call it a tragedy actually uh, yeah so many things affected by it but uh i heard someone say the other day it's like well they are tragedies but they kind of serves as a reminder so what you say is rings very true, you know, that reminds you of like, oh, maybe you shouldn't take things for granted. Maybe you should be a bit more conscious about what, what we do and maybe think a little bit longer before we uh, respond. <laughs> yeah, and everyone gets, everyone gets, I don't know, it's, I'm, I'm over the social media thing now. I've wanted to pull away a little bit more. I do. I think I, next year when it gets warmer, I do want to kind of go outside more. I want to travel again. You know, I usually go to Montreal every year for Montreal Jazz Fest. Yeah, and that's a lot. That's a lot of fun. It's a cool city. And a lot of it's outdoors, a lot of outdoor music. You just wander around and and it's not all just jazz. I mean, there's rock. They actually had Voivod play a couple of years ago. Right. Which I thought was interesting. But cool. Well, thank you. Thank you for chatting. No problem. Thank you for having me on. It was great to catch up with you. I mean, we've. Uh, yeah. Well, two years, at least two and a half years almost. And then before and, you know, the first time I met you, I'm pretty sure it was March Metal Meltdown, New Any Jersey, night? 1999. I remember going to a I remember Paula Hogan brought me back. And I think it was you and one other band member, might have one of the older band members, 
gone out and they were just hanging out there before the show. And it was like your first US show. Yeah. And then they put you on at the end and you only got 40 minutes because they like you went on like 140 in the morning or something crazy. We had I think we had 40 minutes, but okay. then ended up with technical problems and I think we only played like four songs. It was crazy and people were waiting so long. I've been waiting all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was horribly uh, arranged, but you know, sometimes that's that's how it is in festivals. That, that's gonna be for your memoir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Heavy metal dad. Yeah. <laughs> you know. All right, man. Well, thanks again. Well, thanks a lot, man. Well, we'll talk soon. Yeah, we'll do for sure. All right. All right. right bye bye. That wraps up this latest episode of Side Jams. Please join me for the next installment, which will feature Lindsay Schoolcraft. The tunes used in this episode are from Fox and the Law, and I licensed them to AudioSocket. Thank you very much for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.